Welcome back to Comics Over Time, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big screen blockbusters they inspire. We look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the adaptation followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host Dan. Dan, how's it going? Absolutely great, Dwayne. It is good to be here in the refuge that is comics after the craziness of uh, sending a kid off to college and all of this other stuff. So I'm looking forward to kind of returning to the world of the Norse gods in preparation for next week's rewatch, Thor Ragnarok. Of course, that means the end of the world for these folks. So as you might expect, there's going to be some bad things happening. There is. There's a lot to get to. Let's jump in and talk about some comic book news. And I saw this and immediately thought of that we needed to include it. Jason Aaron returns to DC with a new Batman miniseries. Uh, Jason Aaron, I've read quite a bit of Thor books that he's done, but he is uh, going over to DC. Earlier this week, DC officially announced Batman Offworld, a six-issue miniseries that will be written by Aaron and art by Doug Mankey and inker Jamie Mendoza. Offworld is set to be the second story that Aaron has written in the main DC universe after Joker's Asylum Penguin number one way back in 2008. Huh. The summary, the summary for this is really interesting. It says, A routine night in Gotham City for a young Batman proves to be anything but routine when a crime fighter is confronted with a sort of foe he's never faced before, one from beyond the stars. A universe of possible alien threats lead Batman to make the daring decision to venture alone into the far reaches of the cosmos for the first time, where the Dark Knight will face the fight for his life. Interesting. This sounds fun. Alrighty then. This sounds weird, but it sounds fun. Yeah, that when uh when your title said Jason Aaron returns to DC, I'm like, I don't remember him doing DC. And evidently it was just a a toe in the water previously. So this is intriguing because he spent a lot of time at Marvel doing a lot of great stuff. So we'll see. Yes. See what he does now in a new sandbox. Very cool. Yes, he. There's some some great quotes from him in the article. He talks about uh, growing up reading DC comics and the fact that basically he decided not to renew his exclusivity deal with Marvel, and then this opportunity came about, and so he, he's looking forward to it. So, Batman Offworld number one, the first issue of this six part mini series is set to go on sale Tuesday, November 21st. So you've got, got some time till it comes out, but uh, there are some uh, previews of some of the, the covers and stuff in the article as well. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely check that out. There you go. Cool. Over on Marvel unlimited this week, there is really one title that we need to talk about that is being made available on Marvel Unlimited. It is Fallen Friend, The Death of Miss Marvel. Yes. So that's what everybody knew was going to happen, apparently, is exactly what's going on. Uh, the least surprising return in ever. Uh, the 
we're going to have our Fallen Friend. We're going to have a couple things like this. And then, of course, they've already announced the new Ms. Marvel stuff that's coming out later this year. Where she'll be reintroduced as a mutant, more in keeping with sort of the uh, the storylines that are going to be going on in the, in the movies. So, but the Infinity comics are interesting, though. I haven't read a lot of them, but that's the ones that are the scrolling digital specific comics to make them easier to read on phones and iPads and the like. Interesting. I, I, I've been wanting to get to see this issue get into Marvel Unlimited so I could take a look at it and find out uh, everything that happens here. Even though I know she comes back, I still think it'll be an interesting story. And if this is made specifically for digital i i'm very interested in seeing what that looks like uh because i don't know that i've read any of the infinity comics yet yeah they they basically a lot of them even take existing comics and they just reformat them to make them simply one massive scrolling page kind of like a web comic so it's just a different uh different way so instead of going page to page you just scroll down and, and that's the way they're set up Dan, let's jump in and let's talk about the stack this week. Yeah. What did we read? Pretty straightforward. We read Thor Volume 2 with the end of everything, and we had Thor Volume 3 with the re-beginning of everything. So we read six issues that were the end of Thor Volume 2. Thor Volume 2 came out of the Heroes Reborn uh, storyline back in, like, 98, and it ended up in 2004 with issue number 85. And then Thor Volume 3 starts in 2007 and kind of continues on for a while with the, I guess, spoilers here, the reintroduction of Thor after three years away uh, in the wilderness or the or the void, essentially. So, interesting stuff. Kind of, kind of fun comics. So... Why did you pick these particular books with regards to the, the movie we're getting ready to watch, Thor Ragnarok? Well, Volume 2's last six issues are literally called Ragnarok. So sure. it is it is the second Ragnarok. I don't know if you remember, but we already read some of the first one with Surtur and the big sword okay. and everything else back in the Walt Simonson days. And so that, of course, is the final end of all the Norse gods. And then we get the final end of the Norse gods again a few years later. I credit them for the fact they deal with this at least. Yeah. So, but but that's that's sort of the reason for going for this. And to be quite frank, the we could have gone with a few different directions for the next ones. Uh, wandered off into some Grandmaster stuff or into some Hulk planet type stuff, uh, that sort of thing. But I love the start of of Thor Volume 3. And so since we were in the area anyways, and the, yeah. the last panel of, of Volume 2 and the first panel of Volume 3 are pretty much the same thing, it's a uh -huh. very detached storyline, and I couldn't resist having you read these just because I wanted to go back and reread them. All right, let's dive in and let's talk about Thor Volume two issues 80 to 85 because this uh this was quite the story and i don't think i was prepared for ragnarok in the comics the way it ended up 
uh, playing out across these six issues. Yep. Yeah, these starting in issue 80, ending in issue 85, written by Michael Avenoming with an assist by Daniel Berman in certain places, penciled and inked by Andrea DeVito, colored by Laurel Valari, lettered by Randy Gentile, and edited by Tom Brevort. So, good team on this. These are really, I think, very solid-looking books. They read well. It's a massive storyline that makes sense and that nothing seems to really have gotten forgotten. Uh, what happens is Loki, in the beginning of the story, finally finds the mold that had been used to create Mjolnir, which had been hidden away from him and from everyone else for basically all time, because they knew that if, if it was refound and gotten by somebody evil, they could use it to help bring about terrible things. After he finds it, he turn, teams up with Surtur to make god-level weapons that they then decide to do terrible things with by creating a war against the Nine Realms. Thor and his friends are attacked. There's terrible losses suffered on both sides. Thor's mother, Baldur the Brave, many of the other heroes of Asgard are killed. And Loki actually takes Asgard and remakes it in his own image. We find that Loki's actual plan is not to simply bring about Ragnarok to destroy the Nine Realms, but instead to basically just make them his own. He wants to be the king of everything. Captain America, Iron Man, and Beta Ray Bill show up at various points and offer to help out and do what they can. But eventually Thor sends them away, realizes that his only hope of defeating Loki is actually by himself gaining the wisdom of the Odin power, which he then goes off on a journey to find, sacrifices both his eyes to gain, and in doing so, realizes that Ragnarok is not actually the end of all things, but rather it is the end of a cycle that then restarts with a new rebirth of the gods, and them living through this entire cycle again until the next Ragnarok, essentially being used almost as this massive energy hamster wheel for a bunch of shadowy... Yeah other gods. As such, he then leads Surtur back into final battle, basically goes and says, hey, remake my hammer, which had been destroyed earlier, and I will, you know, basically carve you a path back to Asgard, we'll have our final battle, and Ragnarok will take everything, and then we're done with this. Um, Surtur agrees, they head back in, they have their final battle, Thor actually lops off Loki's head and carries it around so he can talk to it while he's doing the rest of his tasks. Uh, and then eventually, one, the, the final task is to destroy the Norn's weaving, stopping the cycle from returning once and for all. Because what he's found is that while it looks like the Norns weave this unending tapestry, in actual fact, the top part of the thread cycles back down and is reused again so that it's not actually a never-ending tapestry that continues. It's a almost like this this thing where it, it untangles at the top, comes back, and is rewoven. Essentially, a, right. that, that cycle, right? That cycle, yeah. And so he stops all of that, and everything goes away. All of the gods are done, and so is Thor, who just sort of disappears and is not seen for about three years in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, he basically just says in the last panel, there's a, a, a picture of his face kind of 
superimposed over the stars and he basically says i'm gonna go to sleep there's no there's no future for me that i see so i'm just gonna close my eyes Mm-hmm. yep so so what do you think first off just general uh, sort of like impressions of the story so, like I said, really interesting. I don't know what I was expecting of Ragnarok in the comics. You know, we had seen the other version of this. The thing that I guess struck me is these are some of the most violent Thor books I think we've read. Like, there is a lot of death. There is a lot of destruction. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talked about Loki getting his head taken off. Thor... To me, I thought Thor like literally ripped it off his off his neck is what it looked like to me. It didn't look like he actually used any sort of weapon. He just sort of grabbed his his like like the horns on his helmet or like the back of his head or something and just kind of pulled it off. And then yeah, he just sort of carries it on his carries it with him like if you're play if you've ever played God of War, there there is a character, this sage that that hangs around with God of War throughout the whole thing. And he basically is telling you stuff. And Loki's about as useful. He's, you know, are you crazy? What are you going to Surtur for? And all this sort of thing. Yep. But you have those, you have them, you have like all of the characters that you just sort of know have either get killed in these pages or are you find out in these pages they've been killed off, off, off page. You know, I think Heimdall was one that they just basically just said, oh, he died, but you don't actually see it. Sif gets her arm taken off first and then ends up dying completely. The Warriors 3, every, everybody who's anybody in, in this series ends up, it feels like, dying during this. It is, it is something. Yep, actually, everybody who's anybody does end up dying because all of Asgard is wiped out and all of the realms and everything sure. so even if it's off camera you can essentially assume if they're asgardian at the end of this they are gone and asgard itself is gone the entire sort of idea of all of this has just sort of been erased so it's a it's kind of a weird sad story in some ways um yeah but and and again that idea of ragnarok again i think the first time I was going through this, I'm like, really? We did Ragnarok 20 years ago. What's up with this? Right. But the fact that they address that and that essentially Ragnarok is not a single occurrence. It just keeps trying until it happens. And when it happens, then it resets. And the, you know, the Norse universe begins again. And then it goes all through that same tragic, you know, thousands and millions of years of fighting until it ends again. And... Also, did you notice how heavy on Norse mythology these actual stories are? Like, there's a ton yeah. of things, a ton of characters, and it's not very well explained, right? No, no, it's really not. Like you've got, you've got, you know, the World Tree Yggdrasil, you've got the Ravens, you've got all of this, and it's just accepted that as a fan of Marvel's Thor, you already know all of this stuff, and if you don't you're going to have to figure it out yourself because they do not have time to tell you, right? So no. everything here is very, very steeped in the Norse mythological con um, sort of concepts, twisted to the Marvel way, but it's all kind of right. in there. 
and they just dump it into this big soup. Um, I love that about these books, though, about all of the Thor books, and especially some of the modern ones, that they just really play on the mythological aspects of, of the characters. I think I think the idea that Ragnarok is this cycle and that it just keeps happening is an absolutely brilliant way to explain why they're doing this again, right? No, nope. it's just like it, it, you you talked a lot about the fact that DC does this all the time. They basically reboot things and then like the previous iteration doesn't doesn't lend to any level of continuity. Whereas Marvel seems to find a way to keep that continuity throughout all of, you know, however long they end up going. And this is a really ingenious way to explain why they got to do Ragnarok again. Mm -hmm. and, and and it makes sense. And, it, and it's really interesting. And like the, the shadowy elder gods that are all in black and white and basically just outlines. I mean, it just... I, I found myself rather just taken aback by just how well the story was crafted and how much they managed to squeeze in just these six books. A lot happens. Like you, you get your yes. money's worth in terms of, and, and also I think, especially early on, you could see the, the story compression. Like these did not read like a Brian Bendis comic that you read the whole thing in six minutes no. or whatever. It, it probably took you some time to get through, especially the first and second ones, because they're using very flowery yes. language. And there's a lot of text on the page and a lot happening. Yeah, there's a prologue at the beginning of the first book that kind of explains, uh, you know, sets the stage. And then you have all, all this stuff going on. And basically there's... There, there's violence and, and action on every page yep. for the like the next five for the rest of the books. It is it is just actually crazy until you get to the very end. Yep. And so guest stars, we had a couple of guest stars. Mostly it's all just the essentially the the characters of Thor, the Asgardians and, and their enemies. But early on we have two Avengers who come in. We have Captain America and Iron Man. And that makes yep. some sense when you're when you're talking about a book that, you know, if you put this in context, this was Marvel shutting down Thor. Essentially, sales might have not been where they needed to be or whatever, but they're sort of closing the door on Thor as a as a comic. And this had been a a comic that had been regularly published every month since almost you know, I mean, if you go back to Journey to Mystery, almost since the beginning of Marvel, right? And now we're going to have three years without him. So this is kind of a, almost like a eulogy in some ways for uh, for Thor and his, his crew. They bring in the Avengers because Loki is actually the guy that brings the Avengers together in the first place. So they're a key part of Thor and, and Loki's sort of story. And they also bring in Beta Ray Bill, who's one of the most popular sort of non-Asgardian creations as well, which harkens back to the Simonson era. Yes, I loved seeing Beta Ray Bill. I was like so excited. You get the full page panel of just this giant Beta Ray Bill just there. Happy, you know, yep. I'm here to help. And, and just, and, and like, again, like the Avengers, like Cap and Iron Man, he's like, they want to help, but Thor's like, I got to do this on my own. And, and Beta Ray Bill's like, 
I have, you know, I'm, I'm a Thor too. I've got, I've got the hammer. I've got, mm-hmm. you know, the blessing of Odin, all this. I should be able to, he's like, no, you stay here. I have to go on my own to do this. Then he gets on, on the, uh, the goats and, yep. and, and heads off to try and, uh, get the Odin power. Yep. And eventually as the battles get more fierce, he sends Beta Ray Bill away because he knows that essentially everybody who fights in that final battle is going to die. Yeah. And and yep. Bill being someone who is not destined to end up in this cycle, he just wants to make sure he gets out of the way so he's not a sort of an you know, a drive by consequence or a, of of the of Ragnarok. So I, I think that yeah, those were those were really welcome. Beta Ray Bill coming back was awesome. I think the the fellow who the um, the art by Devito he did a really good job of drawing Beta Ray Bill. Uh, yes. He. She. Well, it's Andrea, right? Andrea. Andrea. I think so. Isn't it Italian? I guess I assumed that was a female's name. He has a very very strong no. goatee for a for a female. No. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, my mistake. Yep, Italian artist. So yeah, um, but yeah. So I mean, the art was really, really well done. I love the guest stars, Loki. So you know, you're waiting for the Loki miniseries. Everybody's favorite character. <laughs> you loving you loving Loki in this one? No, I. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. We've seen Loki sprinkled throughout a lot of books that we've read. And while I know he is like, you know, a, a, a foe of Thor. I, I guess I never really thought of, of him as being the one that could actually do this level of damage and and he proves that 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 yes he is formidable if if he wants to be and also awful you know that yes. that he is willing to basically destroy pretty much everything now obviously he's like well i'm just going to make it better cuz i'm in charge so why wouldn't it be better even if everyone i know right. including my mom and you know my family is dead so but he is he is very different from that fun but a bit naughty Loki that you see in the MCU, right? Yes. This is sort of like early Avengers level, really terrible Loki, you know? So I'm glad I'm glad I like the MCU version of Loki better, if I'm being honest. He is a tough character to like in the comic books. There's no question. So. Yes. Um, Sif, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a little bit too early because, uh, this would be the next movie, but she does lose an arm. I don't know if you remember, but in, in Thor 4, she actually loses her arm to Gore the God Butcher. And then yes. in the final after scene, she's, uh, training some of the young as guardians and she's got her sword, but only one arm. We've got the same little metal cap over the, uh, kind of the bicep area that she does in these books. So they did kind of take, take a little bit of a cut from this, this series when making that as well. 
And then, you know, Thor's mom, the Warriors Three, all dead. Uh, some of them in off scene, off camera. Some of them on camera. It it's very kind of sad watching Thor just lose everyone, and then coming to the realization at a certain point that if he doesn't do something about it, he's going to lose everyone again, and again, and yeah. again. And he's kind of like, screw that. This is this is not way to do it um but yeah so so it makes him angry and you're right he does get a little bit violent so the whole loki getting his head chopped off thing is is actually part of the myths as well so really mm -hmm. he's been deserving that for almost <laughs> thousands of years a long probably. time yep. sure 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 The ending of these is pretty final, is it not? I mean, you the last go ahead. The, the last three the, the last three pages you have a two page spread where you basically see every character in Thor, like in Asgard, all of them. They're all on one big big two page panel, and then you have have the the stars and and the Thor face and talking mm -hmm. about closing his eyes and going to sleep. It does feel a. We we we've talked about some other books that have ended that didn't really feel like they were much of an ending. This feels like an ending. Like we might never see Thor again. Yep, and I think that to a certain extent, that's what people started to wonder, because what occurred is. After this book closes out, we have three years of flashback storylines and sort of, um, you know, mini-series on, on, that kind of include tales of previous times. We have a very questionable story with the, the Thor clone. I don't know if you remember yeah. the Thor clone that blew the hole I in... did. Yes, yep. I remembered that from, from Civil, Civil War. War. Yes, that was that during was this time. That was so dumb, <laughs> if I do say so myself. It was, yes. And Dark Age for Thor fans, right? Uh, this is, I think, the first and only time Thor has been absent from Marvel's 616 universe for a substantial period of time since the character's creation back in, like, 1962 or 63. Wow. Uh, he just kind of was dead. But you know what, Dwayne? It didn't last. It did not last. No, it did <laughs> not. And it, it it took three years, but we had Thor Volume 3. Yep. And J. Michael Straczynski yep. did something I think I, I was surprised about, which was bring back the character in a way that I'm not going to say I understand it. I'm just going to say that I'm glad he's back. So, the interesting thing is that, yeah, in 2007, they decided to bring back the Thor comics. Started with Thor Volume 3. Um, and to do that, you know what you need more than anything else? You need Thor, right? Yes. Who, unfortunately, was deceased along with his entire supporting cast. So... They bring in Straczynski, 
They bring in Oliver Kuypel, who is a absolutely spectacularly talented artist. Uh, Mark Morales on inks, Laura Martin coloring, Chris Lipos lettering, and Warren Simons uh, on the as the editor. And they bring him back in a way that I think is one of my favorite returns in all of comics. So, following three years on the whole Ragnarok storyline, which ended with Thor uh, Volume 2, we get this brand new series where they're going to bring back our favorite Thunder God. The way they do that is Donald Blake actually returns to Earth after... Essentially, Blake had been gone for a long time because there was a point at which we found that he was sort of materialized by Odin as a way to put someone in a body to to punish Thor. And then at a certain point, they're like, ah, don't need that. Simonson did. And, Th- and Blake just sort of disappeared. Well, we found out he went into this nether place. And then when uh-huh. Thor goes away, he pops back down onto Earth. And at yeah. a certain point... He's seeing things and he's seeing that the world needs Thor and he somehow manages to search him out. And he comes in and he finds Thor in this void of non-existence where he'd been trapped before. Thor's been lost there for three years and he convinces him to return. Thor ends up doing so and then once again he shares Blake's body with sort of the magic cane that he can crack down to turn from Thor to Blake and, and then backward like before. The two of them settle in Oklahoma. Blake is staying at a sort of a bed and breakfast. Thor builds himself a new Asgard on a floating field that he buys with a pickup load of money or of, of gold from some farmer. Uh-huh. And at that point, Thor then goes out into the world trying to find other Asgardians who, like himself, have sort of had their spirit trapped in other humans. He ends up having a very nice talk with Tony Stark where we find out that the God of Thunder is indeed aware of what Tony was up to during the Civil War, both in terms of making clones of him and imprisoning all of their friends, that sort of stuff. Uh, He finds Heimdall in a bridge in New Orleans. He finds the Warriors Three in an African Doctors Without Borders camp. And he finds Balder within the body of Odin's destroyer, which was kind of sketchy, and it turns out was actually sort of arranged by Loki who then convinces Thor to just bring a bunch of Asgardians back without looking too closely because he's busy fighting the Destroyer. Loki comes back in a slightly altered form physically, but is the same old troublemaker inside. Uh, He conspired with Hela and Doctor Doom, and they actually return most of the villains of Asgard. Thor then makes one last effort to return the hosts of Asgard, going up into the sky, making this massive firestorm or, or lightning storm, and then he falls to the earth exhausted after doing so. So presu- presumably anybody else that he hadn't awoken from from within uh, humankind. Uh, or at least a number of now. them. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, this was a fun and rather great story, if I, if I do say so myself. I, I found myself just really really enjoying the first the, these books this is again i didn't know how you would do it but they did create they did bring back thor in a way that felt good enough like 
you have Donald Blake in the in this void talking to Thor, and he like is showing Thor what mankind would have would look like or have to deal with without him. And you see buildings are are blown up and destroyed and things are on fire and all the all the things that you would expect to happen because Thor wasn't there to save the day. And he's yep. and he's like, you wanted to help mankind, right? You wanted to 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 keep the human race going. You still want to do that, right? And he's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, well, then come back. And it, and it's like basically, if if mortals believe that gods still exist, then gods still exist, and they're within the mortals, and they just need to be reawoken, and yep. then they can join. Thor in his new Asgard, which, oh my God, that that whole there. I'll just let you say something because I want to talk about some of the funny slash goofy moments that occur across these books because there is there are so many good ones that I just absolutely love that I was not expecting. So to me, there's there's fun but goofy. But there is also the fact that the first probably five to ten pages of issue one is just one of the most fantastically written sort of theological, philosophical, poetic sort of little things you're ever going to see in a superhero comic book, right? Yeah. And it basically starts with, you know, he, he talks about how it was a man dreaming he was a god and a god dreaming he was a man. And then at some point it morphs into this quick retrospective of what happened during the Ragnarok cycle. And then you've got Blake talking to, to Thor in that nether realm. And what I really like is that there's a, there's a point where they're talking and Blake just, you know, Thor's like, well, I'm kind of dead. I can't go back. Uh, you know, and, and Blake says something along the lines that it's not for gods to decide whether or not man exists, it is for for man to decide whether or not the gods exist. She says, I've decided to just believe you back into existence if you're willing to go along with it. And Thor's like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> but, but then, yeah, he shows him the world needs him and it's going to be bad if he doesn't come back. And drawn by that sense of duty, Thor then decides to return. What I like is that in both instances, he was staying there because he believed that by going into nothingness, he was saving all of the people he loved from this returning death constant cycle. And by coming back, he's also doing that for the right reasons. So in both of them, Thor kind of, there's that honor of he's doing the right thing, even though he's doing the completely opposite thing now. So well played, Straczynski. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I just absolutely love the first few pages of it and that sort of conversation between them then resulting in Thor deciding that it's time to beat up his subconscious or whatever he has to do and come on back down to Earth. You you talked about the art and in those pages specifically, there is not a lot of words in those pages. It is a lot of imagery telling the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, those were some really, really beautiful panels across those pages. Yeah. Quipil's work is 
just astonishing. It's also interesting. He draws Thor different than anybody else. He draws yes. him with a with a nose that basically the his nose just comes almost down as a it's bigger at the top than the bottom and it gives him this ridiculously solid facial structure. But Thor looks like a very big, very tough dude when Koipel draws yes. him more than almost I, anybody else. It's good and also I, I have a little trouble with it because it looks like to me that Thor's face is too small for his body. Yes. Like his face is small, his head is small, it's his face looks like scrunched almost. Like it's it it it's very tiny, and then you're it's on this burly huge man <laughs> underneath it. And and like counter to that, like you've got Donald Blake who who basically is just, you know, shorts and a t-shirt guy and and looks like a a regular sort of human being and like everybody else sort of looks like regular human beings but then you just have this thor that is just this massive massive creature it's definitely a choice he's made but what it results in is thor looking like just this absolute monstrosity he's just huge and yeah it's probably one of my favorite characterizations of Thor because he does, he does look like you do not want to mess with him, you know? Right. As Tony Stark finds out, by the way, what did you think of that? Yes, that was fantastic. Actually, that whole exchange, there's basically an entire, uh, the, the entire kind of, uh, Tony Stark uh, discussion takes place in New Orleans as he's trying to find Heimdall, uh, you know, Thor is, and there's the back and forth and they start fighting and Thor reveals basically that he knows what Tony Stark's been doing this whole time with Civil War and everything, and he does not approve of any of it. And to be fair, there were some very questionable things that Tony Stark did during Civil War. Yeah, uh, you don't say that uh, that he really shouldn't have been doing. And basically, he just tells Tony to f off. He's just like, "I don't need you. You just stay away, or else I am going to I am going to hurt you, and I am going to hurt you bad." And he basically completely eviscerates the iron man suit that tony's wearing there well well and stark starts it i mean thor is just wandering around looking for his friends he pops in starts basically telling him hey you know you can't you can't have your asgard where you've got it and you've got to you've got to come in and register and you're probably behind on your taxes or whatever like he's got all these reasons why thor is not doing things the way he wants him to and you know you've right you got it you got to toe the line and do things my way and Thor just basically says, that is not what's going to happen, puny mortal. No. And it is quite entertaining. So, Yeah. yeah even as yeah, a fan I, of I, Iron Man, I do occasionally like see him get the crap beaten out of him. Because he regularly... I was going it. to say... <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. He, he, he definitely deserved exactly what he got there. And yeah. he got put in his place. Yeah. And, and Thor looks ta- very angry. Like the art is once again spectacular in those panels. Yeah, he looks like he could he could melt the armor with his eyes at certain points. Right. We should talk about Loki as well because 
I I love the fact that among the among the the gods that get reawoken, Loki ends up being one of them. Uh, surprised that that Loki is a woman now, uh, but I love the fact that that they're like I'm not scheming. I wouldn't do this anymore. I learned my lesson from from Ragnarok and you know you ripping my head off and all this sort of thing. I wouldn't dream of crossing you again. And then basically by the end of that book, we find out, oh no, he he definitely, he was the one that basically planted Balder in the Destroyer, had him rounding up exactly who he wanted to have round up with the idea that Thor is going to be so distracted by dealing with the Destroyer that he'll just unleash, you know, re revive, awaken whomever is in these pens that that the destroyer has put in there and that he's working with von doom and hella and it's you you know i should have expected it but i was like you know you get your head taken clean off mm -hmm. that might be a thing that kind of sets you back on the straight and narrow at least for a little bit but no not even loki could uh take take the lesson from that well and the sad fact is that when he's making his argument to Thor, he's actually making the real argument, or, or should have been, that one of the reasons he was bad previously is that, in essence, that was the part he was written with in the story. He was always going to be, right. in Ragnarok, the one who ends up on the side of Surtur and the other sort of, you know, invaders. He was always going to be the one that betrayed Asgard to its death in Ragnarok. Now that doesn't happen anymore. So Lady Loki has a wide world in front of her. Where there is no particular reason why the choice to be evil is set anymore. And now we find right. that Loki is a dick because Loki's a dick, not because that was somehow set in, you know. In the, in the uh, yeah, It's not foretold. It's just yes. who he slash she is. And so yes. that's the way it goes. Uh, very unfortunate, but I do I do think it was it was interesting that of all the characters, Loki is the one that ends up being a variant. And then obviously, when we get into the Loki story, it's all about variants. So I talked about this earlier. There are some really fun moments throughout these books. Uh, the whole idea of him just basically going out into a field, you know, west of Oklahoma City and just saying, you know, here's where Asgard's going to be. Boom. Here's Asgard. And then there's like these, he gets confronted by the police and like, they're like, you know, you can't park your Asgard here. I'm sorry. There's private property, that whole thing. And he basically kind of turns them around and uh, then they go find the landowner. The landowner comes and says, you know, uh, you can have the land. I just, you know, need to be fairly compensated for it. So he goes and shows him the 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 treasure vault. And the guy's eyes just, you know, go big, huge, like, you know, Scrooge McDuck or something. And then basically you see the next panel is this pickup truck with this pile of gold uh, in the back in the back of it, which is just actually hilarious. 
And then you've got the city hall meeting that Thor and his group are invited to uh, closer yep. to the end of the, the books that we read. And so you have you have this panel where you see from like the 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 person speaking half the room is Asgard like gods and goddesses and half of it's like normal townsfolk. And he's like explaining that we need to like replace sewer drains because you know, the current ones are eroding and they're not going to work for too much longer. And this, and then all of a sudden Volstagg starts raising his hand is like, what, what's indoor plumbing? What are, what are these pipes for? Why would we need this? And it's just absurd, but hilarious at the same point. And then the, the guy that he kind of, that Donald Blake befriends at the diner, like the cook, He's out walking at night because he does that sometimes and he runs into one of the Asgardian goddesses and she's talking to him and he's completely tongue-tied, as you might expect. There's just... it. You have this really well-written story and then you have these really fun and funny moments. It just created a really great set of books. And it takes talent, both from the artist and from the writer to be able to deal with this many tones. Like, I mean, they're dealing yes. with, with genocide in Africa in one, in, in one book. And then they're doing, you know, sort of funny town meetings uh, a few panels later or whatever. It's, it's not easy to keep that all working, but they did a great job of, you know, finding a way to, to deal with the serious moments in a way that, that makes them resonate. But then, be able to still keep the books moving and keep them light and keep them entertaining as they're doing that. It's kind of a, an amazing alchemy actually. Uh, but Straczynski is, uh, is pretty darn good. So that doesn't surprise me too much. So what was your favorite story of the week between these two? Might know the answer to this. Um, yeah. And why? Like, you know, one had a very nice ending. One had a very nice beginning. Which one do you think you like best? I like I like the beginning more. I, I it's it's not that the the end of volume two was bad. It was actually a really interesting story. It was very well drawn. It, it packed a lot of action into a very small number of books, and it created a concept of Ragnarok being this cycle that I would never, never of in a million years have even considered as being something. So they they did a really good job of wrapping it up. But I think I just liked the tone and kind of the the mix of really interesting story, really well told, along with like this level of humor that I feel like I've come to expect from the Thor character because of the character I learned about through the MCU. This to me, the, the, the J Michael Straczynski Thor, I feel like is the, is the best version of Thor that I've seen that kind of bridges that gap between the comic book Thor and the MCU Thor, where it's, a really interesting story with really cool characters, really interesting ideas going on. But there's also a level of humor and a level of just almost craziness bordering on absurdity 
that you that I just enjoy, I guess. Now it should be noted, almost none of that craziness and or absurdity is actually Thor. He remains sure. resolutely serious through this entire thing. I don't know if you in six inches if you ever even that see him true. smile. He's always just No, I don't think he did. He's just like think he did. constantly, you know, constipated or something like that. But nonetheless, the books themselves, the other characters, and the overall sort of feel of it, especially with them just sort of hanging out, making a new a new mythical kingdom in Oklahoma, has a very kind of goofy vibe that, that could very easily yeah, make its way into a Ragnarok type feel. So yeah, I would agree with you. I, I like the second stories better. I do really enjoy the first ones as well in that they were a an ingenious way to bring about that temporary end to Thor in a way that was really sort of satisfying, where you did see him make that choice to sort of end everything uh, with with bringing about his own Ragnarok, which I don't think most of us saw coming. But, um, right. but the return is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I also I think I just liked uh, the art a little bit better in the volume three books as well. It just from from the like the very first images in book one all the way through mm-hmm. uh, the end of book six. I, there was just nothing really about the art that didn't. I I just didn't. It didn't resonate. The, all of it resonated with me. I just loved it. First ones were really good as well. They also had very clean, yes. very crisp art, um, well drawn, and and with a lot of them very complex battle scenes and everything. But I suspect that the Georgia Perez effect may have come in at points too, where there was a lot of detail in that art and a lot going on, and it was very busy in the first books, and it was very dark. So seeing what was going on yes, and a lot like of... was tough. Yeah, the, like like the the panel, the, like even like the panels themselves. There was like instead of there being like white separating the panels, it was black separating the panels. It was really kind of showing the like the death of of Asgard, of Thor, of all of these gods and goddesses that we've come to know through throughout the history of the. Uh, of the Thor comics. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was a lot of red, a lot of yellows, a lot of explosions, a lot of big, like, uh, what do you call those words that basically mean explosions on in the panels there? It's you know, sound effects. A lot of boom yeah. type. Yeah, yeah, those sorts of things. A lot, a lot of that going on in those books. And I, you very easily could get lost in that, but it was never to the point where I did feel lost. Yeah. I also did like the fact that in the new ones and a little bit in the old ones, they continued the John Workman lettering type of thing with the, the crocodooms and stuff. So everybody has to call back to that at a certain point. You can't have Surtur hit the anvil and do it in anything other than a John Workman typeface because people would, people would, come over the ramparts at you, I think. It just wouldn't sound right or look right. We have some correspondence this week. We got a tweet from Mo talking about some changes to the X-Men and the Avengers in 2024. 
uh, with a post from Tom Brevort, who you mentioned actually a little bit earlier as an editor on one of these sets of books. Uh, there's going to be a link to a, a Facebook post, but he, he says, the big story is that after a quarter century editing Avengers and its associated titles, I'm going to be moving away from those characters and titles and instead stepping into the world of mutants. Yes, that's right. I'm afraid that it's that it's true. I'm the X. Wow. So he is. So he's moving, switching over. He, it, it's not going to happen right away. Talked about a lot of really interesting stuff that's going on right now in 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 X Men and the the X Comics, uh, but that that's going to be happening um, probably next year sometime. There you go. Yeah. I- I don't know. I like I like Tron Brevard. He's he's a good dude. I like his his posts online. He's somebody who's always out there, kind of talking talking to folks in the community and and giving people updates. He's very open. Wherever he goes, I suspect he will do good stuff. So this is good news for the X Men and the the X titles. Um, and and we'll see. Hopefully, they find somebody who's who's interested in coming in and doing some cool stuff with the Avengers and that sort of stuff too. All right, Dan, we've been preparing for next week. Tell us, what are we going to be uh, doing for next week's show? Sir, we are heading into the world of Thor Ragnarok. So this is a 2017 movie. You uh, may remember it from the third phase of Marvel's MCU, directed by Taika Waititi. And it is it is a whole experience. So... There were a lot of different ways I could have gone getting you books for this. So we went kind of with a more traditional, just stick with Thor approach. But there's a lot of things to talk about from the comics in this in this movie. So should be should be a lot of fun. And with that, that is going to wrap it up for us for this week. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. Whether you're new to the show or you've been with us from the beginning, we'd love to get your thoughts on the Thor books that we read this week or Thor Ragnarok, which we'll be talking about next week. You can send us those comments via email. That address is comments at comicsovertime.com. Or you can reach out to us via social media. We are on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. That that is at Comics Over Time. We're eventually going to get on Blue Sky, I would imagine, like we talked about last week with the show, but we haven't done that quite yet. Dan, this was a great set of books this week. Thank you for picking those out. And I'm really looking forward to watching Thor Ragnarok again, which I remember really enjoying the first time I saw it, but it's been a while and I've gotten a lot more familiar with Thor and uh, even in the MCU uh, since, since seeing that movie. So I am looking forward to seeing it and then getting back here with you next week to chat about it. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. We will see you next week. Have a great one, everyone. Take care, everybody. 